morning, it's Friday the 19th May and this is the Climate Alarm Clock. In this week's headlines, Ireland's greenhouse gas emissions are among the worst in the EU, according to Eurostat. And in the UK and the EU, they are starting to crack down on greenwashing. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Anna Pringle. Dara is still not back this week, but we are lucky to have Tom Spencer with us again. And as always, Kira Daly. Welcome back, Kira, And welcome back, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. You liked it so much last week, you came back for more. That's great. Um, And just a reminder, if you do like the podcast and would like to support us, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash the climate alarm. Now on to our news for the week. So in our first story, um, Ireland's emissions are continuing to rise. So we saw a report from Eurostat, which is the EU's statistics agency, and it found that in the fourth quarter of 2022, the good news actually is that EU greenhouse gas emissions saw a 4% decrease compared to the same quarter of 2021. So well done, the EU. But our little island, our little green island, had the largest increase in greenhouse gas emissions in the European Union at the end of last year. And we were one of just four EU countries to increase emissions annually. And we had twice the rate of growth of the nearest one, which was Latvia. So, you know, last week we talked about how our top emissions polluters and how 100 companies are having a massive impact. This week we're kind of seeing what's happening with that and how our greenhouse gas emissions are still going up, even though we have um, very ambitious targets as a country to reduce them by 2030. And we have carbon budgets that say we're supposed to only use so much this year, and we are blowing through those targets. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, we're over we're overachieving on in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was that report um, came out this week. Now, to make it complicated, um, we got very quick comments from Minister Eamon Ryan and some other um, environmental commentators as well, who pointed out that the Eurostat figures are not the real data for Ireland. Um, So this is where it gets complicated. We will have, our own Environmental Protection Agency will be publishing the Ireland data very soon. Now, they're going to show the same trend, but they might not show as high an increase. But the numbers are distorted, according to the Minister, because the EU numbers include GDP growth and are based on GDP whereas the Ireland numbers are based on what's actually emitted in the country. So the list itself, it's looking at the all of the EU countries, basically, and ranking yep. them from worst to best. Is that right? It, well, it's not really ranking. Them. Well, I suppose they are being ranked, but, but it's basically looking at the EU as a whole and then looking at each country within the EU to say, has their emissions gone up or down? Okay, and so Ireland were the leaders for increase. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We were the worst. Um, Yeah, and and so there's lots of stuff in it. Like, so Ireland's GDP went up, probably higher than most countries as well. Um, So we're kind of saying, well, it's because our GDP went up, the emissions went up, but then at the same time, 
Eamon Ryan saying, well, we shouldn't be looking at this based on GDP alone. So so it's, uh, the numbers are complicated, but I think the, if I had to simplify it, the key trend is our emissions are still going up. And the only question is by how much, really? Yeah. So his comment about the EU, what are they called? The EU Statistics Agency. Eurostat. Yeah. His point about them not being an accurate reflection. What's the difference between their report and the, the EPA's report? So focusing on GDP for Ireland is a bit distorting because, you know, we get all these numbers about GDP is gross domestic product. And mm-hmm. it's, um, as you mentioned, maybe, Kira last week, Kate Raworth and economists like her really question whether it's a good measure of anything. Um, but focusing on it for Ireland is particularly problematic because we have such a high proportion of foreign direct investment in Ireland. And a lot of those countries have... Um, headquarters here, international headquarters here. So when we're booking, they're, they're, they're bringing in all of their sales in sometimes Europe, Middle East, Africa into Ireland, and that's contributing to our GDP. So it's not really a meaningful number in terms of the emissions we're generating here or the income of the country. So sometimes you can say, how is Ireland, how are we still struggling with poverty, for example, when GDP is going up? And it's because GDP is not, a, in Ireland, it's not an accurate measure. It's just like a the, measurement of the monetary value of the country rather than like the quality of life. It doesn't take quality of our our well-being as, as citizens into account. Is that correct? Correct. Well, GDP doesn't t- do that anyway, anywhere. Um, it's a very crude measure anywhere, but in Ireland it's particularly distorted because of the number of companies that, and you know, I won't say the tax word here, but that are tax headquartered here um, and supposedly exporting to other countries. So from what I can gather, and, and this is all, it's all very technical and you have to really look at the numbers, but from what I can gather, Eurostat is including the activities that are included in GDP and we would argue that those aren't a true reflection of our emissions in this country. What I thought okay. was really interesting, I looked at Eamon Ryan's statement, so he, his point is let's use the Environmental Protection Agency's data. So I looked at, I looked at the report for 2021, what they said was that Ireland's greenhouse gas emissions rose by 5.1% compared to 2020, which is a huge rise anyway. Yeah. But I think something gets lost in translation too, even if you put GDP to one side, that what you can say is when we look at it on a year-by-year basis, that's one thing. But we know our carbon budget from 2021 to 2025, and 2021 accounted for 21% of that budget. So effectively, we were 1% over on that one year, which means that every following year, we have to make an even more dramatic loss in order to hit the goal that we've done. So I, I feel like there's quite a bit of gaslighting in this sort of... Mm, don't believe our stats till they come out. Well, it's taking until July. This is a huge delay to get our stats. I think we all know that we're going to miss it because we've missed every single target since 2018. Yeah, That doesn't really feel like an answer just to brush it under the carpet and move the conversation along because we'll do that till 2025 in the end of this yeah. carbon budget. And we've got two carbon budgets currently up to 2025 and then from 2026 to 2030. And, and mm. the... Targets in the second one are much more ambitious because because they're backloaded. So the first five years is less ambitious and we're still not hitting it. And it, and as you say, Tom, we're accumulating a gap, you know, so the gap is getting bigger every year because we're supposed to have a certain amount we can use in five years 
and we're overusing it in the first couple of years, it makes, makes it harder later. I was saying when we were prepping for this episode, I find it quite hard now to not go full, don't look up. This feels <laughs> so shocking that, you know, for me, the declaration of a climate emergency in 2019 was a PR exercise. Totally. Nothing tangible has happened since. There is no accountability for this. You and I are so depowered, we're not able to actually address the government on this. They won't really deal with any media inquiries on this topic. I don't know what we do at this point because we are we are failing on a, an unprecedented level in the EU. We, we have shockingly high carbon emissions compared to the global south. I, I don't know what we do at this point. I feel angry and frustrated and upset and I, I sort of don't really know what the recourse is here. I, I, I sort of, I don't know how, how you guys are feeling about it. I want to go back to Eamon Ryan because I'm not with you. Mm. <laughs> and because I have opinions, but I need to clarify. Um, his, his kind of point that we need to wait for the EPA stats. So this, this report that we're talking about now, he's saying that that's not accurate because some of those emissions actually belong to other countries because they are incorporating multinationals. Is that a right understanding of what you've said. I don't I don't understand why he thinks this isn't a good reflection or something it, that we should be paying attention to or taking well, seriously or whatever his point is. I don't, I don't well, get his what, point. What he actually said was, I don't want to assume what he thinks, but what he actually said was that, let me find the actual quote, hold on. Oh yeah, Oh, a spokesperson for Eamon Ryan said that the Eurostat figures are not in any way related not in any way related, to real data from the Environmental Protection Agency, which will be published in the near future, the spokesperson said. They represent an attempt to estimate changes in greenhouse gases based on economic activity, including GDP growth. However, using GDP as a measure can have a distorting effect in Ireland due to the large number of multinationals based in Ireland. So that's what we were just saying. But basically what they're saying is, yeah, those figures are bad, but they're not the real figures as, as Tom said, hang on, we'll get you the real figures in a while. But yeah, the but point like, being, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, I don't, I don't get, I don't actually understand the point of that comment. <laughs> like, oh, don't worry, lads, we're actually doing all right. Like, yeah, it plays into what you're saying, Tom. Of like, what? Well, like, what do you mean? <laughs> what? But you're the, the minister for the environment. Why are you? Like, try to be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're probably doing better than that. Like, I'm sure that's enough. He's yeah, not wrong. This is theoretical data, which is plucked out of the air using yeah. certain statistics. But there is no monitor that sits on every chimney, every car exhaust that calculates the exact amount of carbon emissions. Yeah, right. The EPA data and the Eurostat data are both theoretical calculations, which might be as accurate as the other. It, it, it's the delay that's the really concerning thing. And this is really... A PR exercise, which is, lads, give us two more months and, yep. and we'll give you the real data. We'll turn this climate change thing around. It. But it's also, <laughs> kind of, it's also kind of dismissing the fact that we're an outlier in the EU. And, you know, it's, it's, as you said, Tom, it's kind of brushing it under the carpet and saying, yeah, no, that's OK, because that's not the real data. But even though we know the real data is going to show a similar trend. Yeah. So it is a little bit of a, as you said, a don't look up moment. I think I'm confused by it because you would imagine that the Minister for the Environment or his spokesperson would have something a little bit more serious to say about this than being like, oh, that data is not right. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? That's an opportunity to have like a real and 
actual yeah. conversation to be like, hey, lads, <laughs> we need to start freaking out. Because, like, maybe that's not accurate, but the figures are still pretty ballsy, pretty scary, pretty far in the wrong direction. Yeah. Or they could at least be saying, you know, we know we've got a lot to do, but the recent, you know, offshore wind getting started is good and we're ramping up to do retrofitting. Oh, but hang on a second. About a third of people can't afford to retrofit. I think we saw that headline during the week as well. So, so I mean, I think to your point, Tom, about what do you do? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good activity going on. There are, I mean, there is a lot of work going on to reduce Ireland's emissions, but it's just not happening fast enough for all sorts of reasons. And it's also not happening fast enough for the people that are in the global south who have spent mm. decades <clears throat> at COP conferences begging for help, saying, yeah. please help. You have the money as, as a nation to, to change. And also a lot of it still gets put on you and I. Yeah, we have, we have to account for our carbon. We have to take the actions. Some people do, some people don't, some people to different extents. But this is effectively a government saying, well, you know, the, these corporations are very big. It's, they pay a lot of tax, they employ a lot of people, and it's a bit hard to calculate. It goes back to exactly what Kira has been talking about the last two weeks in terms of economics. We had this big discussion following Michael D. Higgins's speech, and we, we had an exploration of it last week, but uh, I, these just feel like more excuses, and it yep. just moves the conversation down the track when we already know we're failing. And right. we don't even need to look at the Eurostat data. We, we need to look at the EPA's data from last year yeah. that... Eamon Ryan's spokesperson is saying is the data that needs to be looked at. So I, I don't know how many ways we need to track that we're failing. I feel I should put in, in, in Dara's stead a sporting analogy. If we're, <laughs> in the re- if we're in the relegation zone, you don't need to look at the fact that we need to pick up points against this team or that team. You need to acknowledge that we're really in the mire yeah. and we need to change that around. Yeah. And we haven't for years. This is big. And then, you know, an interesting one as well. This week, have you seen or heard anything about the Beyond Growth Conference going on in the EU, in the European Parliament? I'm seeing Kira looking at me blankly. Nope. Um, <laughs> there's a massive conference going on with Kate Raworth spoke, um, lots of great um, speakers. <clears throat> Ursula von der Leyen, who's the head of the European Parliament, spoke at the conference. And she even said that the current focus on economic growth is wrong and the way it's commonly measured. And she said a growth model centred on fossil fuels is simply obsolete. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And like a lot of good stuff there. But I could not find one news story about the conference. Really? I couldn't find one. I looked last night and I looked even in the um, outside of Ireland I couldn't find one news story about it. There was lots of news stories about, you know, Ursula von der Leyen going off to Iceland to look for more arms for Ukraine or whatever. Um, but there was nothing about this conference. And it's a major, I think it's a major interesting conference that the EU is actually sponsoring a discussion about moving beyond GDP growth. Yeah. Um, it's a really the, interesting conversation as well. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do a little bit of self dungeons here because I did a little bit of research last night into <laughs> economics. <laughs> Getting ready for my PhD. St- stand, stay tuned for your economics lesson from Kira. <laughs> my uh, my fake my self awarded uh, doctorate in economics because it's not news to anyone that I'm not terribly au fait with remembering definitions. So I was looking into what GDP is last night, and essentially it's just a measurement of like the amount of stuff that we are making and the amount of money that it is bringing into the 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 
the country for us. It's not really taking into account whether or not people in the com- in the country have access to healthcare or to education or if they're just bloody happy, you know, a very hippie concept. So what I was looking into last night, the reason I'm frustrated is because I was looking into why GDP is not important. And I feel like that's an argument that Eamon Ryan should have been making rather than just saying we need to wait for the EPA report. Um, so seeing as he missed that opportunity, I'm going to make it for him, if you guys will allow me to do a little bit of showing Dr. off. Dr. Keir Daly, Minister for the Environment. <laughs> yes, ah, oh, Anna, Dr. Minister, Queen of the Country. I like it. <laughs> so some figures for anyone out there who doesn't know what the big deal about GDP being useless, a useless measurement. Um, some of the figures that GDP is missing out on are the fact that 5.3% were living in consistent poverty in 2022 and that was compared with 4% in 2021. So there, there's a rise there that we're missing out on. 17.7% uh, of people were experiencing enforced deprivation in 2022 compared with 13.8% in 2021. So Eamon Ryan or his spokesperson, they missed the opportunity to say we need to look at a new measurement of our you know, how we qualify the success of the country or the, the su- success of the economy here in Ireland. But instead, he just sort of said like, oh, no, 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 no. Or whoever the spokesperson is, come on, let's be fair to poor Lehman. <laughs> he just sort of, you know, they just sort of said like, oh, no, that's, don't worry about those reports. Like, hang on for, when is it, two months the next report comes out, Tom? Mm-hmm. He just that's right, yeah, said, July. Yeah, in July, things will be much better when we know that they won't. And it's just such a disappointing letdown from someone who's supposed to be our leader. Like, this is someone who is in the government and he's like, oh, no, like, don't worry, I'll have my homework done in two months. We'd be grand then, is the sort of response that we see there, essentially. (laughs) In that that exact tone of voice. Sorry, Tom, go on. No, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm 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 joining the rant. I feel I feel the need to join the rant. It comes after months of Friends of the Earth Island putting out their campaign about energy poverty in Ireland, how many people are suffering, how many people are struggling. We have all of these, you know, we have these transition plans in place. It's grand if you can afford electric car. It's grand if you can afford solar. Yeah. We need to be helping everyone to access that. And I think the other thing that's not being discussed, and I'm probably a good example of it today because I'm ranting myself, but... (laughs) The mental health implications of this, we are seeing that climate anxiety is on the rise. It is affecting young people. We already have a mental health crisis in Ireland where we have suicide rates that are at odds with the rest of Europe. We have people that are being underserved and we have all the traditional you know, reasons and causes for mental health yeah. crises that should also be addressed. But as the climate crisis worsens, more people will be affected by this. And yeah. I, I completely agree with you, Kira. Any time is an opportunity for education or to get other parties on board. Yes. Yep. He, he is the green leader. He has presided over a period of very little change. And this was an opportunity to put the focus on the other parties and say, I have been trying. Here's what we might have done. Go and talk to my, my colleagues and see why we aren't making the progress. Because there is still this feeling in Ireland that, ah, well, that's a green issue. It should be every party. But it I'm going to get off my soapbox. No, I agree with you. And, and in defence of Eamon Ryan... Uh, oh, Anna. Well, no, I mean, I think, I think they could also have said, but look, we're doing X, Y and Z. Yes, it's, it's not happening overnight, but it is happening. But I mean, this, again, that opportunity was missed on this yeah, as well. Yeah, it was just so. such a... 
It was like I was honestly that's why I went and did all that homework. I was honestly confused by that comment. I was like, what is the point they're trying to make? Yep. Well done, Kira. Dr. Kira Daly. Thanks, guys. Off now. Okay, I think before we um, get even more ranty on that one, um, we are <laughs> going to move on to story number two, which is about one of our favourite topics on the pod, which is greenwashing. And we've talked a lot about how um, much of we it love is it. here. <laughs> There's, we've talked a lot about how much of it there is here in Ireland, but are we starting to see some progress at last, Tom? I think you're going to take us through a couple of stories on this from the UK this week? Yeah, I'm switching to my second soapbox. This one's bigger. Um, You're going to get even rantier now, are you? (laughs) Exactly. Get as ranty as you want. (laughs) Good news. Good greenwashing news. And actually, there is a lot of it to talk about in Europe. So this is a story that's coming out of the UK. The Advertising Standards Authority there, not to be confused with the ASAI here, has announced that it's banning adverts that claim that a product might be claimed as carbon neutral because carbon offsetting has been used. So the terms like carbon neutral, net zero, or even nature positive, which isn't one we have seen here yet, although I'm sure it will come. Nature Nature positive. positive. Like, what does it mean? You know, it's like, anyway. Well, Tom, you go do your term checks there. I love a term check. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, what's really interesting is they are saying these specific terms are now under very severe scrutiny, and it comes after a six-month review by the Advertising Standards Authority. They have said that these are the common claims and they are not being backed up by carbon offsetting. Now the onus is on the company that is making that claim to actually demonstrate that it's true. And what we've seen time and time again is that anyone using offsetting ends up getting called out. There's no scientific basis to it. So this is the biggest loophole we see here in Ireland. And one thing that I think is really shocking as a blow-in, this is happening in the UK. This is the same country that is criminalising climate action. This is the same country that's really very retrograde. And actually, the UK is doing this. This is huge. Yeah. The UK is actually quite good on some of the climate stuff, despite the Tories. They're having an identity Um, crisis. Yeah, there is a bit of that. Um, And the advertising industry has kind of come out as well, Tom, haven't they, in the UK? And and they're kind of supportive of this legislation as well? Yeah, there's this really interesting interplay. So... Uh, the Advertising Standards Authority in the UK is more regulated than the Advertising uh, Standards Agency here in Ireland, the ASAI. Mm. And I think this raises something that's really interesting. The ASAI here in Ireland is funded by advertisers and is a self-regulating body. Oh, it right. isn't beholden to the government. That, works, that always beholden. works really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. This, <laughs> I, I find it very hard to trust and a real lack of transparency in something that is self-regulating and self-funding. Now, in the UK, it's not necessarily the best model, but it's much more strictly controlled than it is here. And I think what we're seeing is that the advertisers are aware that consumers are switched onto this. They know that anyone that's bringing it down is bringing the whole system down. So that's really why they've jumped on board, because they have to, and their clients are going to suffer a reputational damage if they're seen to greenwash in the long run. So... Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm nerding out on this story because I work in advertising. It's making me feel a bit better. (laughs) (laughs) It's making you feel better? Yeah. We're not all bad guys. (laughs) Well, I mean, it'll make a big difference, I think. You know, if people are forced to do what they're actually saying they're doing. Um, and, And the EU, we have EU legislation coming our way too, though, right? That'll make it more important here. 
I think so. I'm slightly hesitant about the EU legislation when you see things like the internal combustion engine laws that got watered down because yeah. of lobbying. I'm, I, I think that there is something about having a national law and then EU law above it. So actually, yeah. France has really set the benchmark. They implemented the climate and resiliency law a couple of years back. And this did everything from outlining, uh, outlawing fossil fuel advertising through to doing things like actually setting in place a system for identifying greenwashing, calling it out and punishing it. So any campaign in France that is found to greenwash can be charged up to 80% of the cost of the campaign back as a fine. Brilliant. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. And we've seen it as well in the Netherlands. The Netherlands doesn't necessarily have a standard different greenwashing law, but what they've taken is consumer rights protections and said you would be protected from companies doing these things that would harm your health or your well-being. And we're going to take those and just extend them to, to greenwashing. So Brilliant. we have, yeah, we have these great examples that say, here's how it's done. Here are the systems. They're not perfect. I mean, you could argue very much that the French system of penalising someone after the fact doesn't undo the harm that they've done, perhaps. Right. But at the same time, it, it demonstrates the need for one, legislation to protect you and I, ordinary people. Two, it demonstrates the, the need for an actual authority that is independent and working on the best interests of people, not corporations. And these are very easy things to, to replicate here. My conversations with TDs have really fallen on deaf, deaf ears. They don't. There's no interest in this. Really? Or there's a fear that they need to perfect the law in order to implement it. But yeah. <clears throat> I think from the UK, France, Netherlands, we're seeing this momentum gathering and that's really positive i think we should we should take some <laughs> we should be positive about this and, and take some solace from the fact that there is momentum so there's no you're not seeing any movement in any of the departments of government or anything that would say that we're going to any willingness to tackle this no not really i've, I've spoken to to tds from multiple parties that some have listened more than others some understand it there is certainly a limitation that Obviously, TDs can only bring a certain number of bills within a certain yeah. period. So if, if they have raised a, another very important issue, their hands are tied for a certain yeah. period. And really, we don't really have that many TDs that are fighting for progressive green laws. It'd be interesting to see what happens. It's certainly something I want to keep pushing on. And I know there are other groups across Ireland that are looking at this. Um, and I have a feeling that in the next couple of months, we'll see a couple of bits, which I perhaps can't talk about at the moment. But Ooh, um, Teaser. Excellent. <laughs> but I, I, I genuinely think it's something we need. And it's really about protecting ordinary people, especially so much greenwashing is about you and I paying more money for a product that claims yeah, to have a green... Yeah, and you Absolutely. know what, it actually adds a lot of clarity. I mean, I don't work with big companies, but I work with small to medium businesses. And for a lot of the companies I come across, there is actually a general desire to do, you know, to do this right. But those guidelines are quite wishy-washy that exist at the moment. So at least when you have a proper directive for people to follow, they have like they have a plan and they yeah. know what's right and what's wrong to say. Mm. Um, because people, you know, there is an opportunity for businesses to educate or there's a need for businesses to educate consumers on why things in their business are changing. But, you know, they have to have that framework for how they can do it ethically and with integrity and with transparency. So, yeah. And the worst thing for businesses is uncertainty. Yeah. You know, so being clear about it is really important. Um, and so if listeners, if you haven't already, check out irishevs.com, Greenwashing Awards to show some examples of the 
worst offenders here in Ireland um, that Tom uh, recently put out. So you'll find that on Twitter and on irishevs.com. Um, okay, so have we had enough of greenwashing for one day? No. Always. <laughs> <laughs> I know we could talk forever on it, um, but let's just do a quick news roundup before we move on. Um, one story that struck me this week was about the COP28, which is coming up at the end of the year. And as we know, it is in the United Arab Emirates, which, oh, by the way, is a an oil and gas state. And the head of the COP, the president, is, guess what? Also an oil and gas executive. So... There comes a point where I go, really, should we just be boycotting COP28 at this stage? <laughs> but Christina Figueres, who was a leading, um, actually, she was the person who was partly responsible for the Paris Agreement, the climate agreement. She came out really strongly against it, against the COP28 president. And she said, look, if you're the president of the COP, you can't put forward the position of the country you're coming from. You have to be neutral. So a lot of criticism coming out there for COP28. It will be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, actually, another one, Anna, a new report on Ireland's food and diet. Um, it's been described as a slow-motion disaster by the Climate Health Alliance. It's what we've, we've talked about a lot on this podcast before, you know, high meat consumption, high dairy consumption, and really uh, high carbon footprints. A really interesting story that I'd recommend people go and check out. Yeah, they're calling for big changes in regulation to protect mm. people's health um, and climate health as well. So it's, it's an interesting one. One of the, I'm a bit concerned about some of the coverage of it in that it sort of plays into, um, uh, you know, just some of the language around individual responsibility and diet and so on. I think people have to be really careful how they portray that. Mm -hmm. But they're making the point that it's regulation that's required. On the regulation. Yeah. Right, I'll wrap us up with the last one. Nice, easy one for people to uh, take in. One in three people can't afford home energy upgrades. Great. Yeah. Good Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So much for our GDP growth, right? That's another um, opportunity mm. that uh, Eamon Ryan missed out on instead of his weird non-point. <laughs> I've got um, a real bee in my bonnet. <laughs> just to finish on a positive note. Um, so we try to finish on a positive note every week if we can. Um, we saw a report or a... Jonathan Foley of Project Drawdown has come out strongly saying that we have all the climate solutions we need and he thinks we might be near a positive tipping point on climate solutions. And he's not talking about, you know, fancy technology. He's talking about renewables and solutions that we know exist today. So I hope he's right and we start to see some of that tipping over into uh, positivity. It's an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? One minute you're like, we're doomed and the next you're like, we're grand. <laughs> <laughs> or somewhere in the middle <laughs> okay so on the we're grand side let's tune out at that point um and some actions for this week i had one which was i really recommend people watching some of the sessions from the beyond growth conference in particular kate raworth was at the opening and jason hickle they were both very good but there's lots of good sessions and you can find it we put it in the show notes but you can find it um online it's all there to see any other Anna. actions, lads? Okay, so my action, um, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I was actually really annoyed by Eamon Ryan's comment, uh, so much so that I was like, how do I make these people pay attention? So I was looking for a letter I could write to lobby the government. That's right, guys, I'm lobbying. Um, I couldn't find one, but what I did find instead was a letter from the Climate Council um, to the Taoiseach and the Tánaiste expressing their concern. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to get my anger across 
uh, take the points that they are making and put them into my own words and then send it to them. So I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes. We'll put the link to that in the show notes so anyone else who wants to lobby with me can do so. And yeah, let's take down the government. Come on, guys. No. Excellent suggestion, Kira. Thank you. Let's not take down the government. Let's let's point them in the right direction. <laughs> Make your voice heard. So thank you, Kira, and thank you, Tom. That is it for this week. And if you enjoyed tuning in, please do share the podcast with someone you think might be interested in hearing some ranty climate conversations. Um, and if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and review us as it helps us to get more listeners. And finally, we are volunteer led. So if you would like to support the work, you can do that through buymeacoffee.com. So that's it for this week. Thanks, everyone. And see you all next week. Bye-bye. Okay, well, soon, Dara. Oh, yeah, Dara. Who's <laughs> Dara? <laughs>